The True Worship, by J. S. Blackburn. Chapter 6. The Psalmist's Joy in God. A study of the directions in the law for the conduct of Israel's worship has provided a starting point in previous chapters, but where can a glimpse be obtained of the spirit in which, even though only in an ideal case, these directions were carried out? Much of the worship of the ancient world was licentious in the extreme. By contrast, Israel was called to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Did this mean that their worship was morose, somber, gloomy and dismal? Such a glimpse is obtainable in the Psalms, and it will be found that nowhere in Scripture is joy in God given such exuberant, even ecstatic, expression as in the psalmist's dilations on the temple worship. In Reflections on the Psalms, C.S. Lewis has given this personal witness, the most valuable thing the Psalms do for me is to express that same delight in God which made David dance. I am not saying that this is so pure or so profound a thing as the love of God reached by the greatest Christian saints. But I am not comparing it with that, I am comparing it with the merely dutiful, church-going and laborious, saying our prayers, to which most of us are, thank God not always, but often reduced. Against that, it stands out as something astonishingly robust, virile, and spontaneous, something we may regard with an innocent envy and may hope to be infected by as we read. It has all the cheerful spontaneity of a natural, even a physical, desire. It is gay and jocund. They are glad and rejoice. Their fingers itch for, the lute and the harp, wake up, lute and harp, let's have a song, bring the tambourine, bring that merry harp, with the lute. We're going to sing merrily and make a cheerful noise. There are, as always, many contrasts, as well as parallels, between all this and the true worship. But let us agree that such joy in God is infectious, and pray that we may catch the infection. It will now be scarcely necessary to point out that all the details of physical and material accompaniments in and through which they could joy in God and so be moved to enter his house as worshippers have their counterpart in the spiritual things of Christian worship. Harp, lute, and psaltery are replaced by making melody in our hearts to the Lord. He no longer dwells in temples made with hands. His house is the church, there his name is set, and his people assembled in his name compose it. The three chief distinctions to be made are that a finished redemption was still in the future, that God was not fully revealed, and that the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. All these awaited the greatest of all events, the coming and the sacrifice of the Son. When the psalmists put into words their joy in God, it was joy in Jehovah, for only in this name had God thus far revealed himself. Now, in Christianity, God is known and worshipped as the Father, his people are in settled relationship with him on the ground of a finished redemption. And the Holy Spirit has been given and is the power for such worship. Nevertheless, the psalmist's joy in Israel's God, Jehovah, is a very lovely thing and worthy to be noted in more detail. If in Christianity we have seen and believed the supreme tokens of the love of God, there is but greater reason to joy in Him. None of their needs is so pressing as the hunger and thirst they feel for God. As the heart pants after the water brooks, so pants my soul after thee, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God peace, 42 to 1 minus 2. None of their petitions is so urgent as their cry for himself, because this experience is in the highest degree joyous.
O send out thy light and thy truth, let them lead me, let them bring me to thy holy hill, and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Psalm chapter 43 verses 3 to 4. The metrical virgin has seized the idea in a most attractive way, then will I to God's altar go, to God my chiefest joy. This delight in God led to a corresponding delight in his house. The temple, and this finds frequent expression in the Psalms. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple, Psalm chapter 27 verse 4. It is in the Lord's house that his fair beauty is seen. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures, Psalm chapter 36 verse 8. It can hardly be supposed, however, that when they sing about the house of the Lord their thoughts and aspirations were exhausted by the contemplation of the temple at Jerusalem. When in Psalm chapter 23 David sings, and I will dwell in the house of Jehovah forever, he surely did not mean that the temple would be his everlasting home. He was in fact coming very near to Israel's version of the Father's house of many mansions promised by the Lord Jesus to his disciples in John chapter 14 verse 2. Similarly, as we read the Psalms and catch the infection, there is awakened within us a kind of blend, compounded of desire after God fully revealed as the Father. Desire for renewal and intensification of the experience of his presence in his house, the church, and also of longing for the everlasting enjoyment of himself in his home in heaven. The setting of some psalms symbolizes in a very striking way the fact that this joy in God moves to worship and permeates worship. An essential element in the system of priesthood and sacrifice which was Israel's worship was the command that three times a year all your males shall appear before me in Zion. At these seasons every man in Israel made the journey to Jerusalem to appear before Jehovah in Zion. These were the feasts of unleavened bread, Pentecost, and tabernacles. Everywhere throughout the land at these times would be found joyous bands of pilgrims journeying to appear in Zion. Many would have previous experiences of the joys of Zion, and were longing and thirsting for a renewed experience of the courts of the Lord. Such a psalm is Psalm chapter 84. Its three sections, marked by, cellar, contain three beatitudes. The first section, verses 1 to 4, shows the happiness of being in God's house, the second, verses 5 to 9, the blessedness of experience on the way to his house and the third, verses 9 to 12, the incomparable good of trusting in the Lord. Once again the metrical virgin has seized the feeling, how lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts to me. Soul, heart and flesh sing for joy, revised virgin, to the living God. All this is centered on the altar. There the weak and defenseless find a home. The place of sacrifice is the place of safety. Though the way there may be a veil of tears, faith makes it a well, and they go from strength to strength whose strength is in the Lord. It has been thought that the meaning of verse 5 is, Blessed is the man, in whose heart are the highways, to Zion. It will be worthwhile to pause at this point and allow the significance of this beatitude to make its full impact. It is all a question of what is in the heart. In this case there is a heart set on the road to Zion's worship. How has this come about? 
The answer is that his treasure is there, and where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. To Israelites who had fallen far from the position of the singer in Psalm chapter 84, the Lord addresses the revealing words, This people honors me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. Matthew chapter 15 verse 8. It is sobering to realize how near we all often come to the condition when these words are literally true of us. For the writers of these psalms, the joy in God was their treasure, and therefore their hearts were seeking him, and therefore their feet were in the way of worship. How can this joy in God be increased? For every true believer experiences, though in tiny measure, joy in God, the question is not how to create, but how to increase it. One view of the first five chapters of the epistle to the Romans sees them as the conducting of a soul from a false joy in God in 2 verse 17 to a true joy in God in 5:11. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of or joy in God, Romans chapter 2 verse 17. This is all brought to nothing. In its place comes justification by faith and the love of God so that we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 11. These thoughts lead us to believe that learning of God, his wrath against sin, his righteousness to justify, his grace to plan our blessing through Christ, his forbearance for the remission of sins, are among the means whereby true joy in God is increased. In the Psalms themselves, it is often previous experience of seeing the beauty of the Lord in his house which is the source of desire for a renewing of it. My soul thirsts for thee, to see thy power and glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, Psalm chapter 63 verses 1 to 2. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept holy day, Psalm chapter 42 verse 4. Thus every experience of the joy of the Lord is a stimulus to seek it increasingly. The highways to Zion are no longer earthly roads by which a sanctuary is approached. For us they represent a spiritual preparation for worship, but it ever remains true, understood in this way, blessed is the man, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. And these pages only serve their purpose insofar as they help towards this end.